Well, today, um, uh, you know, on one hand, I'm, I'm um, torn between this is the first Shabbat of the year, and it's just another, it's a, not just, it's uh, the, the, just the next Shabbat, you know. But the, the reality is, is that in our heads, it's the beginning of the year. Uh, and there are lots of beginnings of the year, right? Uh, actually, there's, there's the beginning of the year uh, for fruit. There's the beginning of the year for kings. Uh, there is the beginning of the year in terms of a, a relationship with God. And those are just a few of the ones that are in the Bible, right? Uh, and there are all kinds of um, uh, symbolic uh, movements in time. We're human beings. We live, we live in time, and we only can relate to God in time because we don't know anything about before the, in the beginning. You know what I mean? In the beginning was the heavens and the earth. And the, anything else we know about anything else has to do with certain statements about the nature of God. But all we know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And there we go. And so we live in the context of time. God, God dwells with us in the context of time. Uh, and, uh, and so it's very interesting that, you know, we uh, uh, come to different lines of demarcation. And so here is uh, indeed one. So I thought that we would begin this year uh, just by being reminded of some of the most basic uh, truths in the context of our messianic uh, uh, movement. And, uh, and so I thought we would say a few words today uh, about the Shema. How's that, right? Uh, when you go back to the, so to speak, the beginning, the cornerstone, where it all comes from, uh, in terms of our relationship with God, uh, the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, is very fundamental to everything else uh, in the Bible. So I wanted to say a few words about the Shema uh, and about how we relate to Yeshua in the Shema, which includes today Messiah's uh, 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 table. And so... Uh, I just wanted to read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4 and going, going to verse 9, what we sing in Hebrew every week uh, here at Beth Messiah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons and you shall talk of them when you sit in your home and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house uh, and on your gates. This passage of scripture in uh, Judaism is, uh, if there was ever a creed in Judaism, this, this would be it. I, uh, I, would t I could take the time to read voluminous statements by Jewish uh, theologians, both from ancient times to the modern day, talking about the centrality of this passage of Scripture. But suffice it to say that every single Jewish scholar looks at this passage as the cornerstone of everything else that there is uh, about, from a Jewish point of view, from a Jewish worldview, of relating to God. Uh, and uh, the, the statement is true, really, 
that just about every Jewish person uh, uh, has no recollection of not knowing this. And that's pretty much true. Obviously, there are exceptions, <laughs> you know, uh, but generally speaking, we all know the Shema. You may talk to a Jewish person who might, may say, I haven't gone to a synagogue since my 13th birthday, you know, since I had my bar mitzvah. Now, 35 years later, uh, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, you know, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And if they don't know the rest of it by heart, in Hebrew or in English, they definitely can summarize it. Uh, no, uh, no doubt. And, uh, and so why is this uh, so uh, fundamental? Because the way that we relate to God uh, is as both uh, a father and child, uh, as well as, one might say, a king and subjects. You know, the book of Deuteronomy is written, the entire book, really, you can make the argument that the entire book of Deuteronomy is written as a covenant renewal statement. Like, renewing the covenant from Sinai, now, 40 years later, uh, at the door to entering the promised land. And so Moses summarizes and repeats good portions of the, of the laws themselves, and he constantly says, if you read carefully chapters 4 to 11, remember, remember, remember. Okay? And actually, Hero Israel, he says, it's, a, it's actually a formula that he says four different times. Uh, I, you know, remember the magnanimous supernatural events at Sinai, remember the giving of the Torah, remember the blessings and the curses, and remember to love, uh, love the Lord your God. Deuteronomy begins with three chapters of a rehearsal of history for these people that are, this is the second generation of Jewish people uh, that are ready to enter the land. They had not been at Sinai, but yet when you read the text carefully, he says, you, you were there, you were there at Sinai, you were there at Horeb. And so it's transgenerational, that's transgenerational, okay? Uh, and that means that even though uh, it may have been written to one generation, it applies uh, indeed to all. And this whole concept of loving God with every ounce of your being is the way we're supposed to understand the Torah. It is not meant to be a legal document. It has never meant to be uh, a legal document. It is meant to be a response to the love that God has shown us when he redeemed us out of Egypt. And of course, by extension, we know that God has redeemed us through Yeshua the Messiah from the bondage of our sins. And living for him is not about jumping through hoops or getting it right so I don't get smacked, you know, that kind of thing. But it is a response to the love of God, and we're called to love him back. Uh, and that is, uh, uh, should be our motivation for all that we do. So in this text we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Uh, it is a declaration. Uh, listen up, all of us, like, you know, talking to ourselves. Listen, O Israel. Uh, we are loyal to the one and only God of Israel. Okay? Uh, and then we have a qualifier. You shall love the Lord your God. Uh, and that's interesting. It is a command to love. 
right? You shall love the Lord your God. And then it says, completely, with all of your heart, and that uh, uh, traditionally is understood with all of your inclinations, with all of your intentions, whether it be the good side of you, the bad side of you, whatever side of you there is, right? With all of your intentions. And we like to use the word in Hebrew, kavanah, like when we talk about prayer, with intention, with meaning. Uh, do you know that in the Siddur, also when you read the, like the rabbinic literature, never are we supposed to read the Siddur like, uh, just as fast as we can, or just to get through it, or to make sure we say that prayer. But the way it's taught is that the Siddur is actually like a diving board. What do you do on a diving board? You jump off into the water, right? And so the idea behind, really, the Siddur is that the prayers in the Siddur are like you, you jump off of them. You say them, and then you jump into your own uh, personal uh, uh, prayer time, whether you verbalize it or it's in your heart. Uh, and, and so it's always supposed to be coming from uh, the heart. And notice here that there is a lot of emphasis on heart, right? You know, in verse 6 it says, And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, right? Uh, and so if you go going back to verse 5, we're to love God with every bit of our intention, our being, and then our soul. And interesting, traditionally that is understood as like with all of your life, like willing to even give up your life. Like, uh, thy loving kindness is better than life, it reminds me of, you know, from the Psalms. With your nefesh, with every bit of your being, okay? Uh, and then with all of your might. And that is very interesting in, in Hebrew, me'odecha, right? So literally what that means, with all of your very much. That's literally what, me'od, like tov me'od is thank you very much, right? Me'odecha, it's an odd kind of word there. And it's only used a few times. In fact, it's only used this exact way right here. And the only other time it's used to describe the way we're to live out the Shema is pertaining to King Josiah. And you read that in 1 Kings, right? And so with all of our very much, and that traditionally was understood with everything we own, our resources, all of our resources. And so it's just basically love God with every ounce of your being. And every ounce of your being is therefore an integration of every part of your life, right? Uh, not uh, on Shabbat, you know, or I love God by doing this thing, or I love God by doing that thing, that our entire life is to be engulfed uh, in, uh, in loving God. And then uh, he repeats it, really, in verse 6, And these words which I commend you today shall be on your heart. And then basically, we don't have time to talk about this whole thing, but basically he's saying here, and that means in your home, in teaching your children, in demonstrating and modeling that, for, you know, inside of your home and outside of your home, at home and in public, at the workplace, no matter where it may be, with all that you do, with all that you think, uh, all of it. Now, this has been traditioned or traditionalized uh, into putting up a mezuzah on the door, which is to remind us of the going in and coming out, and the tefillin that is used, that the word in the New Covenant uses phylacteries, right? You, you know what I'm talking about? The tefillin that we wrap around. 
Uh, and interestingly enough, according to the rabbis, that's supposed to be kind of like putting on a wedding ring between ourselves uh, and God, that kind of relationship. When we put on the tefillin, uh, we're reminded that on our arm and on our head is the word of God. But most likely it's referring ultimately to all that we do and all that we think to be totally engulfed indeed uh, in the love uh, of God. And of course, we know from the Brit Hadashah that Yeshua said himself that this indeed is the greatest commandment. This is the greatest commandment, right? Uh, and we read so many statements in the Brit Hadashah about being in Messiah, in Messiah, in Messiah. And we read in Colossians chapter 3, set your mind on things above, not below. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But right now, what we want to do is demonstrate this love of God by identification uh, in him and with one another. And so I'm going to ask those who are serving Messiah's table to come at this time. Remember that Yeshua instituted uh, this rite, R-I-T-E, uh, at Passover, right? When uh, in the context of Passover, he took matzah and he took a cup and identified himself as the Lamb of God. And he says in several different places, that as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. When he said it, he was talking about Passover, celebrating Passover. Do it in remembrance of me. But we see the testimony of the early believers that sharing meals together was very significant. Uh, and it was a sign of uh, koinonia, fellowship, of sharing uh, uh, together. And by doing so, as a, a community of Messiah followers, the Lord is indeed in our midst. And so, when we have Messiah's table, what we're doing is, uh, we are identifying ourselves with Yeshua and with those who uh, indeed embrace him. And it's a communal activity. It's not, so to speak, like a sacrament. Like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm holy before God if someone comes to me and gives it to me if I can't get there today. While that may be well and good, the primary application is that we're doing it together. And that's, by the way, a very Jewish thing, you know. In Judaism, uh, worshiping is, is not really conceived very much as an individual act. I, I, um, uh, praying, certain, most definitely, uh, in Judaism, Judaism is not really conceived as an individual act, although we may. It is a communal act that we do indeed uh, uh, together. And so this command to love God with every ounce of our being, it's demonstrated when we have Messiah's table in a very physical uh, kind of way. When we take the bread, when we take the, when we take the matzah, when we take the cup, I, we're saying that the Lord is in our midst and we are identifying him. And because it is such a spiritual holy moment, I, it really has a transformative effect. It's not just like a stamp. I'm doing it because I believe this. Or, you know, like getting a stamp of approval or something. No, it's actually a very holy activity. Uh, and in a way, it's sort of like celebrating uh, Passover uh, when we uh, partake of it. And so when we partake of Messiah's table, we are identifying ourselves. We're saying, I belong to Yeshua. You know, sometimes we like to wear pins, especially, you know, when it, uh, in this season in our country. We like to wear pins or we like to 
uh, put out information or carry pamphlets that describe our favored political candidate, you know? But I would suggest that for us who are Messiah followers, when we have Messiah's table, we're saying, I believe in Yeshua. I'm for him. He is my king, but not only king, he is my Lord, you know? He is the one whom I love. He is the one whom I entrust my very life to. And when we partake, we're basically simply saying that. Just as if you are, uh, you know, familiar with Passover, when you have a Seder, you're saying, well, I'm identifying with my ancestors from 5,000 years ago, and uh, I'm identifying with the outgoing of our people from Egypt. And I'm experiencing that again. And so, in the same way, while the events of Yeshua's life happened 2,000 plus years ago, we're saying, I identify with those people. I identify with that time uh, as if we were there ourselves. See? And those early Messiah followers, they partook together uh, when they would meet. And uh, we read, for example, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Unfortunately, sometimes we know what the early believers did because they had to be corrected uh, about what they did. But it helps us to understand what was going on. So there's a passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 20, where it says, Therefore, when you meet together, it is not for the Lord's supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the congregation, the kihilat of God, and shame those who have nothing? What have I to say to you? Shall I praise you? In this I will not praise you. For I have received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Yeshua, in the night in which he was betrayed, took matzah, took bread, so it says bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Okay, let's stop there for just a second. So what we know there is, is that when they came together, as a community, they were supposed to have this meal together, but it was not just in order to quench a thirst or uh, to not be hungry anymore. It was to glorify God. It was to share in this feast a physical representation of the, the now I'm going to use a very, uh, the communion that we have together. See, by sharing it, it was a physical way of describing sharing the faith, the koinonia, sharing together in Yeshua. And so therefore the Lord would be in our midst. But if we come together uh, in uh, like saying in a very legalistic kind of way, uh, okay, well, this is what we're supposed to do, but you know, I'm kind of hungry and I'm thirsty and people are just basically having their needs met rather than worshiping the Lord in it. And this is why, unfortunately, this is why he mentions it here. 
because they were doing it all wrong. They were doing it just for themselves. But the fact is, it is a very physical way of worshiping the Lord, of demonstrating and declaring the death of Yeshua, and of course, subsequent his, to his, resurre- or his resurrection, subsequent to his death, after his death, um, it is what we do as a, uh, as a uh, community. And uh, he goes on to say here, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man or let a person examine his or herself, so let them eat of the bread and drink of the cup. In other words, you do it proactively. We do it like thinking about it. Not like thinking about when is the service going to be over. Not like thinking about uh, why are we doing this? What are we, why are we doing that? Or what am I going to do later? Or, you know? But thinking about it, being proactive, thinking about this. It is a very important act of worship uh, that, that the Lord himself has uh, given to us. And from his point of view, this is the way we demonstrate communally that we love him, that we are engulfed in him. We're declaring that every ounce of my life belongs to him. We're declaring the Shema when we partake of Messiah's table. See? Uh, and, and so therefore, it, is, uh, it has a very important spiritual element, an element of renewal, one might say, when we, uh, when we partake. And so, uh, what we'll do is I'll say the prayers, because it says in the text, he said a blessing. Well, you know, uh, the blessing is the same blessing, at least from what we know of anyway, that we do when we have Kiddush. But this is not that, right? The intention is different. The meaning is different. The motivation is different. This is unique, even though we use that same blessing. So not to be uh, uh, confused. All right? Uh, and so let us uh, take the matzah. The matzah reminds us of the, the body of Yeshua. It reminds us of the sufferings uh, of Messiah because he loved us so much uh, that he suffered uh, uh, for us, for our sins. And so our reaction, of course, uh, should be to love him back with every ounce of our being. And then he took the cup, the Bible says, as we read, the cup reminds us of his blood, that, that in his sufferings for our sins, our sins are forgiven uh, and we're cleansed. And you know, the marvelous thing about Yeshua is, I, I don't know about you, but I th- can think of a lot of times in my life after I embraced Yeshua, after I came to know the Lord, that I really messed up in many ways. In fact, you know, in my life, I was 19 when I embraced Yeshua. You know what that means? I've sinned a lot more after uh, I have uh, come to know the Lord than before. And you know, the Bible says that when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he, he forgives us and he cleanses us of all of our sins and transgressions. And so, you know, we can always start over again with God as we trust him. And so as we partake of the cup, let this be uh, perhaps a time of new beginnings in that way, of starting over again with the Lord. 
and believe by faith, just as you believe that he died and rose from the dead, believe that he loves you right now as much as the moment when you received him into your life. And recognize that, therefore, how do we respond? We respond by loving him back. And we love him back with all of our heart, all of our nefesh, all of our soul, and with all of our very much, all of our everything. And may we do so with joy. Amen. You know, there's a passage in the Brit Chadashah, in the New Covenant, in uh, Colossians chapter 3, in the New Covenant. There's a passage that pertains very much to all of this. Okay? It says in the beginning of the chapter, if then you have been raised up with Messiah, in other words, you're identified with him, you haven't been literally raised up, but you identify in his resurrection, okay? And in his life. So if you have been raised up with Messiah, keep seeking the things above. Keep doing it. Don't stop, right? Keep being focused on things pertaining to God, right? Sometimes, I mean, I can't help but stop there. <laughs> you know, sometimes when we embrace Yeshua, it is like, like you really feel like it's new life and a tremendous energy that you have, right? Think back to whenever that was. Maybe it was this past year. Maybe it's right now. Uh, or maybe it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and beyond, right? And, uh, uh, but over time, you kind of learn the basics of the faith. You kind of learn the ropes. And at some point, for many of us, we think, well, I've got it down. And we really stop understanding about God. We stop learning. We stop really worshiping. And everything becomes just this function of being. And I'm part of now this culture. This culture with correct terminology. You know, I need to make sure I have a smile on my face every time I'm here. And I need to punctuate my sentences with praise the Lord and other terms. Right? And, and there's certain ways of being that we, uh, you know, that, that we, we learn things I should say, things I shouldn't say. We, and so we live in this culture. And I would suggest that for many of us, we are stuck in the culture. And we need to excavate ourselves. There's an archaeological term for you. We need to excavate ourselves out of the culture, even the believing culture. Whether we want to say messianic culture, Christian culture, slash American, slash Christian, slash messianic, slash culture, uh, whatever that may be. Uh, and get back to, I love the Lord. I love the Lord because he hears my prayers. You know, like singing those songs. I remember singing that song 40 years ago. And, uh, you know, and I'm just like saying, yes, Lord. Absolutely. You know? And so he says here, keep doing it. Right? And he says, because that's where Messiah is, seated at the right hand of God. Then he says in verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on things that on earth. You know, when he says set your mind, he means like think about those things. It's like have that mindset, right? Uh, on things above, not just what's under the sun. That's what's going on in Ecclesiastes, you know, under the sun. But think above the sun, you know, looking to, of course, the Messiah. Uh, and so set your mind on, set, keep it there, right? Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Messiah in God. 
And that's what we demonstrate when we have Messiah's table. When Messiah, who is our life, what, uh, you know, it, it, this is uh, clearly, uh, the way he says these phrases, clearly he identifies himself and all of us in Messiah Yeshua, not just as a belief system or a culture, but Messiah who is my life. But notice he says our life, very communally oriented, is revealed. Then you will all be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. Right? For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put, on, put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. And have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Right? Then it's interesting, he says, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. But Messiah is all and in all. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, and also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And then you'll notice on our sign, even though it's kind of wordy, uh, it makes a point. And let, like our sign outside, let not, let, and let the peace of Messiah rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Now, I could just read the entire rest of the letter, but uh, what he is saying here, there's a little more than meets the eye. It's not just be focused above, but it's be focused on the things of God together. He's very much uh, emphasizing the unity of the body of Messiah in this passage. That when we keep our eyes focused on things above, it's not, he's not speaking to us simply as individuals. He is speaking to us communally. And Paul understood, just as we read, frankly, in Deuteronomy, that when we are called to love God, it is not just, I am called to love God with everything that I have, but we are called to love God. And it's very interesting, first when you go back to the children of Israel, uh, and uh, you, for example, if you go back to Deuteronomy, and you go to the fourth chapter, which is very much attached in its understanding to the sixth chapter. If you look first in the first verse of chapter four, this is just a little, a little extra. You notice it says, And now, O Israel, listen, Shema Yisrael. Right there, listen. Okay? O Israel, listen. And so in chapter four, when you read the whole chapter, what you uh, are being uh, told to listen to are not only the statutes and the judgments, but to remember what God did at Mount Sinai. Okay? And what God did at Mount Sinai is he entered into a covenant with the nation, not with 
a whole bunch of individual people that happen to all show up at the same time, right? But with them as a, a communally, not, not just one, but defined as all of them together, okay? Now, if you go farther down to verse um, 25 of chapter 4, it says, When you become the father of children and children's children, and have remained long in the land, and act corruptly, and make an idol in the form of anything, and do that which is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, so as to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today, that you shall surely perish quickly from the land where you are going, over the Jordan, to possess it. You shall not live long on it, but shall be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you shall be left few in number among the nations, where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve God's, the work of man's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear, uh, nor eat nor smell. Okay? But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search him with all your heart and with all your soul. The reason I read that is, basically, what you read there is, is what holds the children of Israel together is their covenant relationship, according to these texts. And Israel, if Israel, this is what Moses is saying, if the Jewish people are to be successful in the land, they are to worship God alone, right? But as by worshiping God alone, they are in unity, that they needed to be in unity, and their unity is based on worshiping the God of Israel and no other, all right? That's why he says, that if you don't, what's going to happen, you'll worship other gods, and worshiping other gods is tantamount to disunity, to, to not, not being unified in the covenant. And as a result, you'll be scattered. You'll be scattered. And what will bring you back? What will bring you back is when you as a people once again seek God and come together under his kingship, lordship. See? And so when you come to the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, where we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. He is spe- speaking to them as a people, right? And when we come together, and when we live in that covenant, that's where the victory is. That's where we worship God from the heart. But when we go off by ourselves, and, and, uh, uh, and uh, uh, worship the gods of the Canaanites, that's where the unity of our faith is broken, and that's where we lose all spiritual power, and that's why we're scattered. And that indeed, uh, that is the story of, uh, of, of Israel. But he says in Deuteronomy, in the 30th chapter, when you all, it's not just you, 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 but when you all, from wherever you're at, seek me with a whole heart, you will come together once again and be unified and worship me, and that is indeed what God desires. That is why, may I suggest, I think as a backdrop to so much of what you read in the Brich and especially in this passage in Colossians, is set your mind on things above, i.e. love God with, all, with every ounce of your being, all of you together, regardless of your, where you come from, your background. You know, he's not here talking about losing your identity or anything like that. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is that in Messiah Yeshua, that we are to 
communally set our mind on things above. Just as when we have Messiah's table, we are communally identifying with Yeshua and communally identifying with, with each other. That is why it is so important to be tied in to the community, to the body of Messiah, to the local physical community. There is spiritual power in that. That is where victory comes. There's, when we are walking with the Lord together, there is much more opportunity for us to draw closer to God than to be tempted by idolatry out there as it's described in Colossians chapter 3. But when we decide, I'm going to go that way, or I'm going to go that way, that's when we become susceptible. And that is when, I will just say, that the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, uh, while he has all the power, of course, its manifestation is diminished when we are not walking in unity. And so I thought, what a great way to begin the year to remember to love God with every ounce of our being at home, here, at work, in the public, wherever that may be. And what that does, it empowers us as we come together. And what a bright, shining light of testimony we will be to our community uh, as we live indeed that day. And as we have Messiah's table, let that be a reminder. Let it be a demonstration. Let it make a difference in our lives that, yes, we are one in Messiah. And, and in unity, we say we are loyal indeed to Hashem, to the God of Israel. Uh, and that is why when we come together on Shabbat, it is a covenant renewal opportunity for all of us uh, to once again say, yes, Lord, uh, we indeed belong to you communally. And that, of course, means individually, you know, the proper working of every individual part that you read about in, in uh, Ephesians. But uh, recognize that we are uh, indeed one uh, together. And that's a great way for us to begin the year as we share the Messiah's table, as we share in the love of God, and may the love of God be spread abroad in our hearts, as the scripture says, and may we demonstrate what the love of God means outside of these walls as we share one another, one another, one another uh, in, uh, in each other's lives. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, that, um, that you've created the, this work here at Beth Messiah, and thank you for the demonstration Lord, of unity that we have here. Lord, may we guard it. May we guard it, Lord. May we uh, really let the love of Messiah and the peace of Messiah rule in our hearts, making a difference, Lord, in the way we speak and the way we carry ourselves and what we do. Lord, we pray, God, that we would be a demonstration to the world out there that we might, as a community, love you with every ounce of our being, with our heart, with our soul, and with our might, Lord. And may we demonstrate as a community uh, what that means in a very physical kind of way as people drive down the road, as we interact with people, both individually and communally. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us a way of life to live 
as a big thank you note in a way, as a, as a way of saying, I love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And may we do so not only in word, but may we do so in deed. And Lord, we do love you. And Lord, may we demonstrate that love in a way that you desire. We thank you. Messiah's name.